Welcome to Pod Me If You Can. I'm David Farrell. And I'm Lloyd Hughes. And uh, today's episode, after a little hiatus, is Star Trek Into Darkness, which uh, has just come out in Australia. It's about to come out in America. Uh, so we thought we'd do this little podcast, having seen it, and um, see if we can't entice some American listeners over. Uh, Lloyd, did you see it in 3D? Yeah, I did, actually. I caught it in 3D the first day it came out in Australia, which was uh, a couple of days ago. <laughs> yeah, nice. Um, I didn't, which... Um, I think we should probably just discuss that opening scene. But before we do, I'll just mention that uh, if you haven't seen the film, we will be filling this podcast with spoilers. So if you um, didn't want to get anything ruined from Star Trek Into Darkness, you should probably stop listening now and listen to the rest afterwards. If you're happy to have things ruined for you, listen to this. (laughs) So the whole opening sequence um, on that Class M planet, it seemed built for 3D to me the whole uh, volcano with all the ash and stuff how did it look it looked fantastic uh looked really good the my biggest criticism with 3d the coloring is heavily reduced i heard some people say upwards of 30 percent so it okay. looks a lot darker um but with jj abrams who tends to and i know people always pay him out about this but the lens flare effect it just seemed yes. like a really bright movie and it worked in its favor for 3d but again i'm not one of those guys who thinks 3d is a must-see sort of thing it just so happened the ticket i bought had 3d and i was like oh, okay you know <laughs> i didn't go out of my way to see it in 3d sure well I, I i was the same there was a midnight screening and i thought about seeing that but i just saw the first screening of the the next day opening day and uh, just happened to not be in 3d so i didn't really think about it too much yeah um all right, so you are a Star Trek fan or Th- not? This is a good question. I guess we've got to talk about Star Trek um, as a whole. i got to be honest, I've only ever seen a handful of episodes from the original Next Generation and Voyager, and I've loved every single one of them. I started watching them when I was about 14, and I really like Star Trek, but it would be an insult to say that I'm a trackie because I have met Star Trek diehard fans. I'm sure we all have, and it would... They're, they're just diehard fans. They got them all on Blu-ray, DVD, whatever, and they know every single um, uh, room in that ship, if you know what I mean. They've studied the blueprint the over Star Trek and over Enterprise? Again. The Enterprise, all the ships, <laughs> you know? So for me to say I'm a, a Star Trek trackie or big Star Trek fan, that's absolutely incorrect, but I do like what I see. Uh, what about yourself? Um, to be honest, I hadn't seen very much of the TV show and so forth, um, or any of the TV shows, I should say. Um, but I was really captured by the first film, the, well, the reboot, the Star Trek sure. uh, from 2008 or yep. nine. So you haven't seen any of the originals? like? Um, Look, what? I'm familiar with Picard, um, you know, Patrick Stewart. I'm familiar with William Shatner being the original Kirk. I know who Spock is. I, I'm aware of the Vulcan pinch. Most of what... I know about Star Trek actually got referenced in the reboot film and this film. Okay. So uh, I, f- yeah. I feel like I know just enough for this all to make sense for me, but I as well am not any kind of a diehard fan. I mean, I, I grew up with Star Wars, so... You know. I, I don't know where I sit with... Because I did grow up with Star Wars and I did turn to Star Trek when I was about 13, 14. Um, Star Trek, you know, the original TV series, I think ended in 1969. And they wanted to do, uh, they wanted it to live on in movie form. And so they were working heavily between 1974 to 1976 to turn into a movie, which ended up, they, uh, they said it wouldn't work. So they started making it into a series called Phase Two. And then that, um, they folded that idea when uh, Star Wars and all these other sci fi movies started making a lot of money. So they pushed forward and they made Star Trek the motion picture. And they actually got an incredible director, veteran Robert Wise, who actually edited uh, Citizen Kane, Magnificent Ambersons. He went on to direct brilliant movies like The Setup and West Side Story. So he's a very accomplished director. And they put a lot of money towards it, but it ended up being rushed. A lot of people don't know that. It was actually rushed, and Robert Wise has been quoted as saying what you saw on the uh, big screen was a rough cut and I don't know if you've seen the original movie but oh my gosh it is so slow he went for a 2001 Space Odyssey take on it and I just yeah oh it's so slow like there's famous scenes uh, like where uh 
Kirk is going onto the Enterprise and it's constant shots of the of this amazing special effect of the Enterprise back to Kirk's reaction back to the Enterprise and it's just long long takes of that cutting and it ends up just looking like an old man looking at I don't want to say um, what's his name the original Captain Kirk uh, William Shatner oh, William Shatner I can't believe I'm forgetting his name I, I don't want to say he's an old man then uh, he, you know he's still relatively young but it just ended up being shots of a grumpy looking guy or a curious looking guy at, at, a, at a special effect model just over and over again it was really long like picture 2001 Space Odyssey but Star Trek it is so long and it's very difficult to watch I found um, and yeah um, that movie the biggest difference when that movie came out and Star Wars, um, I think Star Wars is more science fantasy and Star Trek is more science fiction. Like, there is so much effort put in Star Trek, all in the TV series and in some of the movies, where so much dialogue is spent in, uh, on um, space or um, science fiction jargon to explain how the warp drive works, to explain how this is happening. And sci- um, Star Wars doesn't. Like, you don't ever think how the tie fighters fly or the x-wings fly they just you know a ship is just a ship to get from a to b i'm quoting a lot from red letter media here by the way <laughs> who i think done a brilliant uh, review of the whole star trek series um for me um for me the d- big difference between star wars and star trek i yep. know there are a lot of them but yes in um in star trek you don't get any kind of computers telling them what to do and like you know able to sort of um throw in computer do this or whatever somebody has to physically do it you know they get sulu to enter coordinates they get whoever to you know uh to track something or lock onto something or put shields up and down it's never very automated um and there's always something to do in star trek like that they have to you know get the shields back up they have to you know yeah get ready to go into hyperspeed or hyperspace or whatever i forget what it's called um you know there's always something they need to be doing quest wise yes. in um, Star Trek and Star Wars it's more like they're just going to kind of have lightsaber battles and yeah. you know, fly around the galaxy it's more wild adventure cowboys Yes. whereas um, I find Star Trek more strategic you know there's Spock is a big example of this with all of his logic and everything you know he's always thinking a few moves ahead it's like a chess game Yeah. and that, that appeals to different people Star Trek and Star Wars you, know, you can see how both have their own kind of merits yeah, and definitely the the philosophical elements are huge in Star Trek where, you know, what is right and wrong, we have the power to do this. You know, a lot of dialogue and time is spent on both the mechanical aspects of Star Trek. Will the dilithium crystals power up the warp drive to get out? I can't do, you know, the mechanical issues and the science fiction jargon going behind that. And as well as, as you said, the... Um, uh, what do you call it? the philosophical elements of it i guess like a uh, huge components of that are spent in a lot of the tv episodes i've seen like humanity and and all that do do these creatures do this do this race have the right to live and all the rest of it yeah um yeah and what's well, interesting in the opening there's very primitive tribe mm. on this planet and they have never seen a spaceship and they're you know really backwards and behind in terms of technology um and they reveal themselves the spaceship they reveal the spaceship in order to save spock yes and therefore you know advance this civilization and show them something that they never should have seen and yeah completely um uh, amplify or affect their religion and and everything like that and that's exactly what happens it's a beautiful mirroring in the script of where khan as we later find out john harrison is khan spoilers mm. <laughs> <laughs> um where he's giving technology to you know um, the commander or the admiral, I can't remember his name. Um, but anyway, giving uh, him, yes. you know, this advanced technology that humans weren't supposed to get. Mm-hmm. Exactly the same thing happening for them. Yes. Uh, no, definitely, one, yeah. One of the things that I found really interesting at the beginning was that he'd never lost a crewmate, um, Kirk. Oh, that. Under oh. his command, he'd never lost a crewmate. He um, he gets chewed out at the beginning because he plays by his own rules. You know, he's he's got a lot of gut instinct and stuff. Mm. But then you find um, this scene where it's very much like a old police detective thing where he's like, give me your badge, you're going back to school yeah. equivalent kind of thing. Yep. And for me, one of the things that this film did that I don't think the TV series would have done 
is they seem to change over people's crew positions a lot. <laughs> yeah. Like, to the point where it was a running joke. Well, the big difference with this, what J.J. Abrams did, and he's a huge fan of Star Trek, he respects, and I like J.J. Abrams, I think he's very talented. Um, the series, the movie series, um, I don't know, with Wrath of Khan it took a different direction. Obviously, uh, the second one, Into Darkness, references it's all about Wrath of Khan. They even have Spock from the future, you know, telling him what the, uh, how they beat him and stuff like that. Um, oh, man, I want to talk about that for one moment. <laughs> yeah, sure. Go ahead. So Spock, Spock from the future works great in the first film. Oh, well, the Eric Banner villain film, yep. the Star Trek reboot. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because it's all a time travel thing. It's about how Eric Banner's homeworld is destroyed. Well, his you know character's homeworld is destroyed. He comes back and he's looking to kill sort of young Spock and stuff. And, and look, it, it works because it's a time travel movie. Yes. And it perfectly works because it reboots the series and gives this alternate timeline. So now all these characters in the reboot, these young versions, are doing their own thing and nothing mm-hmm. is has to work out the way that it did. But if you look at the second one, having old Spock come in just for a bit of exposition, obviously people like to see Leonard Nimoy, but it wasn't... It, it didn't feel like it worked very well in <laughs> terms of that a, script. It was such a strange turn. It was like, oh, why... Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> why, why are we calling him? It's like and a wild card you've got in the deck. Oh, let's just play that wild card we've got in our yeah. hand, you know? <laughs> Look, the other thing was, is that he put him up on the big screen. It wasn't like he had a private conversation <laughs> yeah. with him. Everyone else in there was like, is that an older version of you? You know, wouldn't you think they would be weirded out by that? Wouldn't anybody have any questions afterwards? Like, this future version of you just gave you all this information about the villain... Can we ask him some other questions? You know, I just... Yeah, for me, that scene didn't fit at all. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, this this is basically a terrorism movie. Uh, I can picture Doc going, Marty... You... <laughs> I can picture Doc um, telling Marty you're not supposed to interact with anyone from the future, you know, just screaming yes. about him. Um, oh, the Star-, Star Trek movies, uh, from where it came from, because I think this is important to discuss and how where J.J. Abrams have taken it, um, every odd movie of Star Trek is considered bad. So 1, 3, 5, and uh, they didn't make a 7, are really bad. Um, so they've always been mixed bag, but they've always had that traditional, as you were saying, there's a big difference between Star Trek and Star Wars, and it's as we discuss in the jargon or the mechanics of it. One is fantasy, one is more fiction. Um, and then we had the Next Generation movies that came out, which were all a mixed bag. I think First Contact for me was my favourite. Did you see any of them, Star Trek Next Generation? No, I saw a little bit of Nemesis, which that's, I understand is the worst one. Yes, one of the worst ones, and that's effectively what killed the whole franchise. Um, so I know a lot of Star Trek fans do not like where J.J. Abrams have taken it, but you got to understand, it wasn't that great of a series in terms of the movies. I think every Star Trek fan will recognise the the TV series is really it's Star superior. Trek. Okay. Exactly. And the movies is more... You know, when I was young, I always thought movies were the be-all and end-all because they have more money thrown at it and everything like yeah. that. There's more on the line. But because there's more money thrown at it, there's more restrictions. they got to get a wider audience. They can't just appeal to the Star Trek nerds. You know, that's not going to pay... Um, how much the movie cost to make, you know. Mm. So what J.J. Abrams did with it was supercharged the hell out of this franchise and real, and he's turned it into Star Wars. He really has turned into Star Wars. Like, yes, there is a guy with pointy ears. Yes, there is the Enterprise. Yes, there are all these villains and the mythology's right. But look at the mechanics of how it's presented. Like, the Red Letter Media does a great parallel where um, Spock gets in an elevator after he's landed the Enterprise, and the elevator's so quick, he just looks down, looks up, and he's at the bridge. In the yeah. original movies, it takes him a long time from the elevator to get there, and that's because the movies are more grounded in, in the... In, in that franchise's reality like it has to be mechanically correct where they've just skipped over all of that in this and turned it into sci- um, Star Wars really and I don't know I personally don't like the direction where it's headed but I understand its success and this franchise is heavily um, pr- uh, 
praised by a lot of my favourite critics. Um, Quentin Tarantino, for instance, said J.J. Abrams is a genius. What he did with Star Trek. Uh, Mark Kermode. Everyone is all for this direction of Star Trek. Personally, all I see is a big, massive popcorn movie. A massive pop- It's so well cast. It's beautifully photographed. The art directions are phenomenal. But it's this supercharged popcorn movie. I see no difference. I know I'm going to get a lot of flame for this. No difference between this movie and that National Treasure movie with Nicolas Cage. <laughs> there I said it. They're the same thing. <laughs> okay. Interesting. Yeah. Well, sorry. Yeah. Like, I think they're good movies, but I don't know. All I see is a good popcorn movie, you know, and they're going to make a ton of money. And he's going to do the same thing with Star Wars as well. Well, I mean, this is a big calling card for him, isn't it? Yes. I mean, it's the calling card that got him Star Wars was doing the first Star Trek film. Yes. Um, but and you know why? Because he made he's he's all the elements in the Star Trek movies are so perfect for the giant mass audiences. It's got a beautiful looking cast, you know. It's got the big fight scenes. It's got all of that. And yeah, as you said, yeah, this is his big calling card. Of course, they're going to hire him for Star Wars. And I like well, well, J.J. Abrams. I don't want to put him down, but yeah. Well, we'll see how he does with lightsabers. <laughs> I like J.J. Abrams too. Yeah, I like him because of Lost, though. And the one thing that I knew from uh star trek was um most prominently was uh the sequence where spock dies um he's behind the glass he has the radiation well no in this movie it's kirk oh i see Um, originally in star yeah in uh, i think it was in wrath of khan yeah that's correct spock is in there and spock dies very Um, famous scene beautifully done as well exactly yeah and and uh jj abrams led a homage in uh in Lost because one of the characters is on the other side of glass and puts his hand <laughs> in the glass and, oh, awesome. and dies and I won't say who it is because I, I don't want to ruin it sure but um, it's you know in season three of Lost for those who are interested um, and you know I looked up and watched that Star Trek scene after I saw that scene in Lost and it was you know you could see what he was doing there yeah um, so I was very familiar with that sequence and then to see in this film the reverse happen and the dialogue be so similar i thought that was probably the perfect moment of the film um in terms of the film as a whole i preferred the reboot from 2008 or 2009 whatever it is oh, okay yeah the first one over this, this film one. yep okay i feel like that one was a was a real i don't know what how to put it um how to put it best maybe like the godfather right yeah um and then this one wasn't quite the godfather 2 that I wanted it to be, you know? Um, yep. They only had a few moments that I really loved uh, and that re- role reversal was one of them, really. Sure. I really, really, really liked that and I just wanted to put that on the record. Um, what I didn't like was including this new blonde girl with this flimsy subplot of being <laughs> someone's daughter. That was a terrible and, subplot. <laughs> and, and having this scene where she, for no reason, gets into a bra and underwear. What's that? Oh like yeah. That's, that's yeah. just for the trailer. Like there's and no other reason to have that. Of course she had to be beautiful. The admiral's daughter had to be this beautiful blonde girl. <laughs> and look I looked it up. I understand that she's playing a person that um in the TV series uh Kirk gets together with and they have a son named David. So like there's a backstory to a character that already exists, but because this is an alternate timeline, none of that has to happen. And so I reckon they'll probably get rid of her like kill her off in the next one you know and it can be a bigger emotional moment especially if he's connected with her but i'd say next they're going to go to war aren't they yeah probably yeah. with the klingons is jj abrams gonna like is he gonna juggle both franchises now like i'm curious how he's well the problem is is that uh, by the time the next star trek is due to come out which is it coincides with the 50th anniversary of star trek um starting i believe he'll be in a galaxy far far away <laughs> in star wars so like it's going to be a real problem but one thing that he did i noticed and i like this he filmed uh in london and now star wars it's been announced star wars episode 7 is going to film in london oh not so, australia anymore no no so um well maybe i don't know they'll do parts of it yeah. in other places but it sounds like it's based in london so i mean we're going to get these kind of really interesting backdrops like star trek has because i mean they've got that futuristic london and i can't 100 percent confirm that that was 
Well, the great London. Blade Runner was filmed there, and so was Aliens. And so is the upcoming Fast and the Furious 6. <laughs> really? That's filmed in London? Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea why it's filmed in London, but I'm assuming it's something to do with the villain, so... I like, will tell. I like the casting of Peter Weller in this film. Uh, he's a very big cult actor, for mainly because of his work in Robocop, and of course with David Cronenberg in the movie The Naked Lunch. Uh, a lot of people like really like I'm really shocked he hasn't been getting a lot of work and he's a phenomenal actor and it was just great to see him in a massive budget film mm. well that's good it's good that we found things we like about it I mean <laughs> did you prefer this or the reboot I, I, well I, I don't mind both of them but as, as I said they're both popcorn movies but at the the point in this film which I didn't like and I just switched off my brain was when they had to get from one ship to the other and they shot themselves out of the ship through the asteroid or and through the, the debris. The dodging debris. Yeah, yeah. I, I just shut my brain off and for the rest of it, I really didn't care. Like, when Spock was fighting um, Khan on top of those things, um, uh, whatever, I, I just did not care what happened then. Like, there were so many plot holes that I thought of instantly. Like, why didn't the Federation know a gigantic ship was kamikaze into them? Like, I thought they had sensors everywhere. I don't know, maybe because it's early days of the Federation, they didn't have that advanced defense, or maybe that ship had some sort of, sort of stealth, but surely they would have seen a big ship kamikaze into them. Why didn't... Oh, I don't understand it sounds, why... It sounds like Admiral Marcus was in charge of everything, and therefore he was sort of... He took off in a big ship and there's nobody really running things. I don't know. Oh, I don't know. And Pike dies, so, you know, and you get his teary death, which um, affects Spock. The um, John Carpenter said an important thing, and I'm going to bring this up over and over again as we do more Pod Me If You Can episodes, but he said a movie's only as good as its villain. And I thought Khan was very good in this, and I thought, and I love Eric Banner. I think he's an awesome actor, but I thought... I don't know, I questioned some of his motives in the first one, and that's why I didn't go for him as much. I didn't see his reasons for doing things. But in Wrath of Khan, I really liked the um, the idea of this superhuman guy who's got that Hitler-esque uh, motive where he's superior to everyone, so only... He like, has a superior race with him as exactly, well. Exactly, sort of like what Magneto sort of did in X-Men. Um, mm. Yeah, and I, 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 I agree. Sort of, sort of, yeah, so I sort of like Into Darkness more. I agree with how he's a good villain, but I didn't like his overacting. <laughs> yeah. It felt like he had to shout everything. S- some of his know. delivery was a bit... Um, a yeah. little off. A little, a little yeah. theatrical. <laughs> the and guy who played Khan, I can't remember his name, in the original, he was amazing. He was amazing. He quotes a lot of lines from Moby Dick, like from Hell's Heart, I Stab at Thee, and oh my gosh, the, every moment with him in it is amazing. And he is, unfortunately, this actor who who's pretty good but as you said a lot of his deliveries just over the top is just nothing compared to the original um actor of khan i don't know if our listeners are going to agree or disagree but come on watch the original wrath of khan our star trek 2 it's it, it's sublime absolutely sublime presumably if people are listening to this they will have seen <laughs> wrath of khan but sure. you guys can leave us uh any feedback at facebook.com slash pod me if you can um, <laughs> but most tracky say, fans say um, Wrath of Khan is the best one out of the movies they obviously they paint Khan as John Harrison and all the trailers and stuff and the fact that he is Khan is a big spoiler um, that lots of people predicted and it's you know yes go figure um, but the thing about it is is that I thought going into this because I didn't really think it was Khan I didn't really give it too much thought um I didn't obsess over this before it came out. I just kind of went, it's coming out, we're going to see it, we're going to do a podcast. Um, And so I didn't really, you know, beyond the trailer, I didn't investigate it. Mm. Um, But I I was going in thinking he was like the villain from Skyfall, Um, you know, one of their own who's sort of gone rogue and he's doing these terrorist acts. It's kind of in a way, yeah. Yeah, and then you get this whole, um, you know, thing where they have to test his blood. Mm. And I knew that that blood was going to come back. (laughs) And... uh, and when this is what killed the the aftermath of the um, the Kirk death scene is that I was like, oh yeah, the blood. Like I, I knew straight away. Obviously, they're not going to kill their lead, but you know, it would have had so much more weight if we didn't know about the blood, or if yeah. for some reason the blood was then revealed later. You know, if they didn't, yeah. 
Well, I don't know. Yeah, the first um, where Spock dies in Wrath of Khan, so spoilers for that one if you haven't seen that. Um, there was so much... It had so much effect on audiences where Spock is dead, and it took a long time before the next movie came out where, where the whole movie is called The Search for Spock. Um, so it had great weight. I think... Kirk dies in I don't know a couple of minutes before they revive him. <laughs> yeah. So there's no big loss like oh yeah you know he's it's dead. It's not between movies. Yeah. Yeah, it's not between movies where the big. And loss. I think I think the search for Spock they find him as a child or something and yes, he grows right. back. Yep. Yeah. And, he and his spirit into... is able to go back into the body and and stuff like that's that. That's lucky. Yeah. <laughs> in Star in Star Trek logic it works though. <laughs> sure. Well, look. They didn't have Klingons in the first... In the reboot. I'm talking about the reboot that I've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was some speculation about how they would look in this one. They yeah. wore the, those helmets. And then they had piercings all up and down the ridges of their head. Yeah. They, they looked really cool. I agree. I, I tend to think, you know, having seen pictures of the other Klingons and, and that one guy who was uh, a member of... I think he was in Next Generation. They yep. had a Klingon on their crew. Yeah, Worf, yeah. Worf, that's right. Um, I feel like this has got to be the seeds of the third film and that you have to have a war against the Klingons, don't mm-hmm. you? Yep, I think that's in the chronology of Star Trek. There was a big war between... Oh, it might have been the Romulans I'm thinking of. It might not have been the Klingons. I'm pretty sure they had a massive war with the Romulans. I, I don't remember. But yeah, it looks like it's building up to like as as peter weller kept saying war is coming you know and (laughs) how did you um enjoy the spock can't lie vulcans can't lie but he's half human so he can lie (laughs) i guess yeah i I love the banter (laughs) yeah i think there was a lot of clever dialogue it wasn't as funny as the film a couple of years ago Mm, yeah but um it was well well sort of scripted in terms of like it had a really good structure i thought I was a bit sick of uh, Zoe Saldana, who plays Uhara. Uhara? Yeah, Uhara. 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 Um, I was a bit sick of how she sort of moped about Spock nearly dying the whole film. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I just kind of wish at some point she'd sort of got over it a bit more. She's so overcast for the film. Well, I guess they all are. But, man, when I saw her, I was like, wow. (laughs) You know, automatically, like, they just got the sexiest girl they could cast in that role. And I guess um, if you ask the girls, they think... um, captain kirk and everyone else is really really good looking but you know what i mean how jj abrams just supercharges the hell out of star trek like i think he's trying to make it cool i mean i think that's in empire magazine they did a little article about how he was trying to make it cool back when it came out and i think he succeeded i think he's tremendously succeeded like the the a whole new breed of audiences will come into star trek now before it was too nerdy now it's so accessible by so many people of all ages my only issue with that it's going to destroy the older star trek i think i don't know if a new series like the next generation could ever be made or voyager where it's it's a lot slower paced it's a lot more focused on dialogue and stuff whereas this one is so i don't want to keep saying it but you know what i mean it's just uh, there's a big difference between the old star trek and this star trek but i think for what jj abram set out to do he's done very very well i kept um when i saw the blonde you know talking about how she's a weapons missile expert and so forth i kept thinking of denise richards in bond you know oh, how yeah. they just get like an attractive girl yeah <laughs> and then have a you know i'm a nuclear scientist <laughs> yeah it didn't quite sell it for me but anyway i don't know uh, just the whole how she got on the ship was like there's just no security or anything like that he just looked oh yeah yeah checks out you know just right on in i'm just like man yep. even going for a job at target or going through the uh, going through the job going for a job at target or or, or um uh, kmart you have to do one of those psychological tests you know i don't know or going through yeah. the airport you have to go through security you know this is just like looking at a resume going yeah hop on you know <laughs> yep exactly um look sulu got to sit in the chair as acting captain uh chekov the russian is he yep. russian yep, that's right um he got to put on a red shirt you understand the the joke with that uh the red shirt is usually the guy on the away team who dies Yes, so yeah. when he puts it on, there's like a slow camera zoom in and it's like, a, uh-oh, he's about to die kind of thing. And even I got that one. Every little Star Trek bit that I got, 
was in this film and the last film. Like, I don't think I know anything beyond this. Well, like, the big one that. is um, he's eating... Oh, no, that's the first Star Trek. The first Star Trek, um, Kirk is eating an apple while he, um, you know, beats that simulation. He goes, oh, the shields are up, are they? You know, okay. and he's eating an apple the whole time. In Wrath of Khan, when he tells... Um, when he reveals to one of these beginner cap- uh, captains how he passed the test, he's eating an apple. So that's a reference yeah. of the two, yeah. That's all I okay. know. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> um, I've seen far too much stuff starring Simon Pegg for me to like his accent in this. I know he's doing a Scottish accent. I know Scotty I, I, is Scottish. I have, I have a boat. I love British actors. I, lo- I think British actors are some of the best in the world. I think Daniel Day-Lewis at the moment is the best actor in the world. The cast of Game of Thrones, phenomenal. Uh, a lot of them are British. Um, I do not believe one single line this guy says, and I, I don't like... Um, a Hot Fuzz is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Short of the Dead was okay, I get it. But every line he says, and I know he's super talented, he's a very nice guy. He's he's done lots of work for the geek community because he um, puts in a lot of in-jokes uh, in, in his movies. I haven't seen um, his latest Alien movie, the comedy he Paul. did. Paul, yeah. I know he's really respected and a lot of people, you know, go on and on about him, but I just don't see him as an actor. Every line he says, it's just not believable to me. Like when he was drunk at the bar, that was like the worst performance I've ever seen. <laughs> like the delivery yeah. on every line was just horrible. I just didn't believe he was drunk. I didn't believe yeah. in anything. Yeah. It, it didn't do drunk well, no. But um, And the audience loves it. They were laughing at every line he was saying, and I was like, man, it must just be me. I, I just got to watch his movies again or something. Okay, well, it was crickets in my screening, so <laughs> nobody laughed at Was your cinema packed? Look, there was, there was probably uh, 20 to 30 people, but... Oh, that's decent. They, mine, mine was really small. They did have a chuckle from time to time, sure. like, but none of it was Simon Pegg-based. Wow, okay. Yeah. Um, You're talking about Simon Pegg. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I was going to say um, uh, sort of this whole speaking Klingon thing. I know it's like a big, massive geek phenomenon thing, but I wonder if they would just do a film that was all Klingon if it could be nominated for like an Oscar for foreign language. <laughs> And you'd subtitle it, obviously. Well, the same thing could be said for Avatar. Like, everyone goes on about how uh, J.R. Tolkien invented a language for um, uh, Lord of the Rings with Elvish. He invented that language as a historian and linguist and all that. It's actually not that hard to do. A lot of books and movies have done that sort of thing. And the big thing I I always say is Avatar did it with James Cameron. He just hired a linguist and came up with a new language. And the same thing with Star Trek. I think they've developed two languages... But I do know of at least one, and that's Klingon. That's actually a developed language, as far as I know, from that, um, you know, uh, franchise. <laughs> mm. um, <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> I'd, lo- I'd love to see, like, an artsy, all-spoken-in-Klingon movie, mm. <laughs> you know? Well, I'd like to see a small Star Trek or even Star Wars movie, because if you look at Blade Runner, that isn't a movie where the whole world's at stake or an Earth is at stake. It's just four outlaws on the run and a guy hunting them down. Every Star well, Trek movie has always been about the world's at stake, the, this race is at stake, and, you know, I, I understand, like, the technology's so grand in this enterprise, but I don't know, I'd mm-hmm. like to see a small one where the captain's maybe losing his mind and they got to decide to mutiny or something. I don't know. Well, I think they're going to do some Star Wars spin-offs in time. I think we're going to see a Chewbacca movie or a Han Solo movie, sure. young Han Solo. Maybe yeah. those will be like, yeah, sort of smaller, smaller things. Um, yeah, look, that whole abandoned area where they go to capture him and um, all the Klingons ambush them, it looked way too much like a set to me. Yeah. I don't know if you felt that as well when I was we- watching it. I felt like every piece of it was just a set like it had just been painted and just been arranged it didn't seem to me very authentic is that That where khan saves them and shoots all the click-ons yeah and then he surrenders because they have 72 missiles no i didn't get that i thought it was a pretty um it just looked like a garbage dump like sort of like the the future in um uh terminator 2 uh the future scenes are in there at war but yeah maybe if i had a second look at it'll probably you know really come out i can't remember did the two guys who the random guys that joined that team on the ground to get khan did they just die from the klingons 
Cause you know, it, I can't remember, but probably. Yeah, like, probably. Like, he lost a lot more. He lost a lot more people on this mission than last mission. Definitely, yeah. It's weird how um, there's no focus on the loss of those people. It would have no. been good. Yeah, like in Star Trek Wrath of Khan 2, he has a relatively inexperienced crew. Like the mm. old trick of Star Trek, they're just supposed to go out for a little... Um, little scanning mission or just to you know just to do a loop of the galaxy or whatever and of course a distress call sent out and of course they're the only ones that can do it and so the the ship that's not ready to go to war or not equipped to deal with certain situations has to go out and that's what happened with Wrath of Khan this inexperienced crew is out and it gets hit by a couple of shots and hits the engineering bay and a lot of um, you know the explosions happen everyone's moved side to side sort of like you're in a submarine and explosions are coming out and one of the inexperienced experienced guys dies and scotty holds him in his arms like he comes up to the bridge and he's crying and he's holding a dead young guy and he goes he never left his post and they're all looking down they feel really bad and that was so emotional like you watch that in wrath of khan you're like oh that's so beautiful like the movie takes time to you know acknowledge a few people have died this is a very serious thing in this one you know people die left and right you know i I like that i like it when people die in the background because it shows more at stake it shows you know this is a serious issue like my favorite scene in this movie is when khan destroys peter weller by crushing his face Mm, Um, okay well that says something (laughs) (laughs) well it echoes Blade Runner I guess but I just like it because the movie as big of a popcorn movie as it is it's willing to go that dark and as the movie references into darkness like I'm just glad it's uh, you know he had the balls to go that far like wow Khan is a real threat he will crush your face you know <laughs> well they had they had to try and show him as ruthless exactly and they had a few options to do that as John Carpenter in- said the uh, what makes a good movie is its villain and it's good how they were able to show that you know Khan was that brutal I guess and so primitive and primeval in his um, methods yeah I think that came across, but he only really turned after they sort of stunned him and stuff. Like, it seemed like he was almost on their side Mm. until then. Yeah, that was such a shaky and really convenient relationship, wasn't it? (laughs) Yeah. Um, Look, having seen the Avengers a while back, everybody seems to get placed in these cages, which are like a big room. And in in the Avengers, you know, it's made for the Hulk and they sort of drop him down out of it and stuff. Oh, they drop Thor down rather out of it. But um, every time that happens and they put a baddie in this kind of Hannibal Lecter cell, I always think they want to be there, you know? Like they're exactly where they want to be. Yeah. Like they always yeah. give in. It's great moments for drama, I guess, because they can come face to face with the captain. The, you know, it's the main hero and the main villain face to face and they're all their ideologies and motives come into play so yeah, i guess it's, it's a great um, it's also a great time to get blood samples <laughs> and to it? lay out the plot <laughs> and uh, i found it a really good opportunity to get a blood sample so very <laughs> very convenient opportunity i um, guess it's bones. just like the 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 detective looking at the villain in behind bars you know <laughs> yeah like i always think of um dr evil as well <laughs> how he's in that little hannibal lecter cell yeah. um Bones McCoy, obviously a pretty big part in this film. Whenever I hear McCoy, though, I think of Beast from the X-Men, how is Hank McCoy? So whenever they say Dr. McCoy, I always think of Beast. Um, Yeah, and, and just the crew, I guess, are a very kind of well molded group. I think, I think casting has been very good to this film. Yeah. Excellent. It's like you say, though, I mean, they are an attractive bunch. Um, and uh, the only one I've had a problem with is I think the blonde is a bit of sort of eye candy and that's, she that's so, what's going on. She sort of reminds you of that blonde girl who was in Bardo, um, that pop singer, that pop band group. Oh, okay. International listeners might not know Bardo, but um, Bardo <laughs> was a group of girl singers who got put together um, following a talent competition to mm-hmm. form an all-girl pop group. And uh, Sophie Monk was Sophie the... Sophie Monk, yeah. The blonde... Yeah, uh, she's you might actually, know her from terrible, terrible movies. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say she's been in a bunch of not so popular movies in America, or maybe popular movies. <laughs> oh well, maybe in America they're popular. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, look, that whole exchange of information. We learn he's Khan. We learn he's genetically engineered. He um, was forced into exile. You know, he's better at everything, which is a line from the trailer. 
and uh, we basically get all his evil plans for domination almost like except for the fact that he's going to turn on them mm. you know it's just a very convenient very convenient scene but I, I completely see the foreshadowing for a third one where he talks about how he's a weapons uh, he's a warrior and he helped him design weapons and how Marcus has always wanted war and therefore you know that's what's coming kind of thing yeah yeah and I I think this was the first film I, I've sort of you know second film of Star Trek I've seen but the first one where I felt like they could have destroyed the Enterprise oh definitely you know, that, that was usually at stake oh usually is that like oh, a common no, thing no um, in this oh well in the movies yeah I'd say um, the the Enterprise has always been exposed to massive battles and it's about to get destroyed and it's only through luck and perseverance they're able to outwit the Klingons or whatever there is a lot more luck in this than Star Wars features. I think Star Wars is a lot more destiny and this is a lot more sort of gut luck kind mm. of yeah, cowboy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, when he's shooting up the hull and many people get kind of sucked out, you know, of the ship and just like he's no longer a perfect captain, but he's sort of pleading like it's not let the crew live and everything. And, you know, it seems like very easily they all could have died like a few times they probably all should have died yes in, ter- in terms of this being realistic not that you know I want to kill them all off I'm just saying it's like yeah and like yeah his pleading was was different you know that was a very good growth of his character yep. you know and uh, uh, the crew respected him greatly for it as well yeah and and handing over the reins to Spock was another big move you mm-hmm. know um, obviously, everyone can be captain at some point. Acting captain, you just kind of pass it around. Everyone wear a red shirt. Everybody <laughs> move around. Scotty's like, I quit, and he's like, Great, I accept your resignation. Everyone's just kind of bumping around in all different positions on the crew, and that that was the one thing that I was thinking. This is just sort of beyond a joke now, you know. So I, do- I don't know whether or not you know that's that's a thing that happens in star trek often i know they've had different captains but it feels like within one movie you shouldn't sort of flip and change so much yeah well in the movies uh the captain often leaves he's like often always the guy going take me as a hostage or let me go and he'll go with either just himself or his away team and often he'll leave it to the second in charge but yeah with this one it changes range like a few times yeah and I mean, I know him sleeping with a beautiful alien is often, you know, yeah, that's a, a thing in Star Trek. That's a Captain got, Kirk trait, not not yeah. a Patrick um, Stewart thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, Simon Pegg's comical running as well. I've written that down in my notes when I went to see this film. I think that was the one thing they were trying to make really funny, how they had like a really wide shot and he had to run all the way down um, this long tunnel cavernous corridor before he could sort of open the um doors for them sure out into space yeah they really tried very hard for that to be a big comic moment and i'm just i'm curious was that big in your cinema uh yeah no uh, well not everyone out loud out loud laughed but people you know chuckled and stuff like that so yeah i guess it worked hmm Uh, did you like um um, into darkness did did you like the movie like i I know you said you liked the first one better but generally, overall, like, do you like it? Yeah, I, th- I think it was pretty solid. I think um, my quibbles are very minor. And, um, yeah, just little things where I think in a movie which is really based on logic, you want to get the logic right, you sure. know? Where um, he's sort of talking to Spock and he, Spock tells him, at great cost, they defeated Khan, you know? And then he asks him how presumably Spock tells him that someone had to die and be sacrificed. I don't know whether or not he would tell him he had to die. Yeah. Wouldn't that be a weird conversation? Oh, I had to die. And then he's like, I don't know how he explains it in the short space of time because trying to explain Wrath of Khan and the maneuvers they had to make would take me at least, you know, 20 minutes or so. Well, I mean, look, we've talked for 40 minutes now. It's just, just breaking this down. Yeah, and I just, it bugs me that nobody says, who was that? Like, why was that an older version of you? And <laughs> My yeah, head and just exploded. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, look, 
I think that it'll probably be at least a trilogy. I don't know how many films they'll get. Like, I imagine when they sign on with these kinds of actors, they sign them for three films, you know, like they did with Johnny Depp for Captain Sparrow, Jack Sparrow. You know, you, you want to get as many films as possible out of them. Um, so I'd imagine this is Chris Pine's, uh, you know, cash cow at the moment. Yep, I, and, as a, and is it Paramount that's releasing this? I think it is. Whatever company's yeah. releasing this, they're making a lot of money. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, look, the whole ship falling to Earth, you know, where he has to kind of knock the thing, the generators back into place so they can put up the shields, was, you know, almost could have been the ending in itself, you know, whether without the whole, you got to got to catch Khan and get his blood and everything for Kirk, you almost could have sort of had a search for Kirk kind of sequel. Yeah. You know? Um, that would have been huge, I think, if that had happened, you know. Yep. Like, left Spock in charge and killed Kirk. That would have been an amazing film. But um, a bit soon in the franchise, I guess the, the rebooted franchise to do something so big. Yeah, do play it safe for now just to get to the big war one, I guess. But I'm going to call it early. I'm saying next movie they'll kill the blonde girl because everyone expects the blonde girl will get together with Captain Kirk yeah. and they'll have a baby, just like in the other timeline. This is an alternate timeline. I think they kill her off just to prove that. Hmm. And say, look, anything can happen, you know? Well, yeah. In, what was it, the third one? Yeah, the third one, uh, Kirk actually loses his uh, son in that one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, didn't know. Um, and and the needs of many outweigh the needs of few. Of the few is, like, you know, a really famous Trek saying that I was aware of. Yep. Um, and like like I said, they threw everything into these two reboot films, everything I know. So if they do a third... I'll have no idea what to expect sure. because everything I know of Star Trek has been referenced and, you know, the Vulcan pinch, which I've always thought is kind of silly. Yep. But, yeah, they even did that, which is one <laughs> of the things I didn't think that they would do, <laughs> even though it was brief. But, um, yeah. Yeah, I think um, they're going to go on to make this. I don't know how long J.J. Abrams is going to stick around. Like, maybe he might turn it into one of those things where he just produces it. Um, and but by just on the track record of that, that hasn't been a good thing to do. Where the director who started it leaves it to somebody else, quite often that screws it up. And the big thing I want to um, uh, reference in, in terms of that is uh, X Men Three, when Brian Singer left and gave it to Brett's, uh, um, Brett Brett Ratner, absolutely killed the franchise. And I think. That's the biggest worry about Star Trek in this format, what's going to happen if J.J. Abrams moves on. Because I think um, he's a huge card. He's the main guy that's responsible for rebooting this whole franchise and, you know, m giving it millions and millions of dollars, you know. Um, well, so look, that's I, I, cannot, I cannot stress how excited I am about the new X-Men Days of Future Past, which brings back almost all of the original X-Men from the original trilogy that as you mentioned brett ratner destroyed yeah. um and wolverine as well killed <laughs> oh wolverine is going to be in the new x-men oh okay. as one of the x-men yeah as as is like look just if you look it up on imdb you've got old magneto new magneto young xavier old xavier um you've got your beast your mystique storms back um the girl who played juno is back as kitty what is it, Shadow Cat? Mm -hmm. um, Iceman's back. Nightcrawler, unfortunately, is not Hopefully back. Hopefully, it's not too crowded. Well, I mean, if it's a time travel thing, you can kind of afford to have these nice cameos from people that will push the story. I'm hoping. I'm hopeful. Yeah, I'm very Who, hopeful. Who's at the helm? Who's directing that? Oh, you are testing me now. <laughs> Maybe it's the same um, director as First Class. Uh, I'm going to pull it up. I'm going to pull it up. Um, Tell us very briefly about how you've been in Japan just for 60 seconds. <laughs> I was um, in Japan for about 18 days with my, with my friend and we went all around. It was amazing. The biggest thing I missed out on was the Studio Ghibli. I, I spent, I did an unboxing actually of my Studio Ghibli Blu-rays and I spent a fortune on it and I am hooked. I've, I'd only seen a couple of those movies prior to Japan. Um, uh, Howl's Moving Castle 
and Spirited Away, and I really liked what I saw, and I just wanted to see that museum because it's like the Walt Disney of Japan. They're really proud of that franchise, and um, unfortunately, I didn't get to go there, but when I came back, I watched a whole bunch of the movies, and they are brilliant. I highly recommend, if you can, Castle in the Sky. It's really good. But yeah, Japan, you guys should definitely go if you're you know if you're a listener who's not from japan or hasn't been there definitely go to japan it's a beautiful place to go visit it's brian singer oh brian singer's directing it yeah you're kidding the 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 next x-men yeah oh that's amazing he's brilliant (laughs) his last movie um giant um what's it what's that movie called um tom it's that one about the jack and the beanstalk i think it might be called is it jack and the giant killer well, there's Jack a movie. Jack the Giant Slayer. Yes, that's it. Where it's it's based off Jack and the Beanstalk, and Brian Singer yes. directed that, and I think that lost two hundred million for Legendary Pictures. Yeah, the movie sounds completely great. tanked, <laughs> which is weird because Brian Singer is no joke. He's a very talented director. Um, usual Suspects and everything like that, except for Superman. Oh, look, Superman Returns was good up until the point where. After he saves that plane and lands it in the stadium, yeah, that was a then good the scene. rest of the movie is not very good. Oh, the movie's horrible with the kid. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, well, pretty much we're going to wrap this up. We've given you a recommendation, Lloyd. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, I just said it's a big um, popcorn movie. My biggest concern with Star Trek is it going to hurt the old style of Star Trek, the Star Trek that the tracky fans love, where it's very slow. Trekkies, yeah. Yeah, much slower paced, you know. Uh, it, it's a very different to Star Wars. I don't want to put Star Wars down or anything like that, but uh, I think the fans will know the big difference between the two. And I'm just worried that turning Star Trek into this big action-charged uh, uh, movie is going to kill the old style, and we're not going to see that ever again. You know, it's not going to go away. I disagree. Yeah. I think it's going to create a television series again. I think they're going to see it back on the But in what style, though? Do you think it'll be in the style that J.J. Abrams has created, where it's, you know... Yes. You reckon it'll be in that style? See, I don't like it, that. It'll have to be the modern way. Yeah, I mean, but I, is... I, that's what I'm worried about. I don't want it to go in that direction. <laughs> but... It exi- the old ones exist there for yeah, those who want no, to see it they will seek it out if they're already a fan they will enjoy it but for this to move forward and be profitable it has to be you know modern I mean you have to attract the new audience yes the, the, and, the, the um, new audience that have grown to like the J.J. Abrams style and I, I, I don't like that I think that's going to hurt Star Trek's legacy in the long run people can't see it now because they're so overwhelmed with this crazy popcorn movie <laughs> but yeah that, that's what that's my biggest concern is is that what exactly what you said that's going to happen and it looks like it is well I mean they've got a, a shield agents of shield program starting um through I think it's ABC um, which, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D. from Avengers, yep. the Nick Fury mm-hmm. team. Well, I guess they're going to stop various not-so-threatening mutants every week. Oh, cool. So that should be interesting. Yeah. Just another way of having heroes on a sort of small screen, you know. The fans well, who love Star Trek 1 is will love Star Trek 2. If you didn't like Star Trek 1, you're not going to like this one at all. Oh, I agree. I mean, if you didn't like the first one, you're not listening to this podcast. <laughs> All right. Well, um, we'll wrap it up. Uh, next time on the podcast, we're going to be talking about Oblivion, the Tom Cruise movie. Uh, it's going to be an interesting one. Um, if you guys have any feedback, questions, thoughts, uh, com is the website. And uh, there's links on the left-hand side. You can find both of us on Twitter. You can find... Uh, youtube pages and the easier link to facebook where you can recommend that we watch something and maybe we will uh, every now and then we try and include like by request episodes for Podme if you can um hope you've enjoyed it um and we'll be back next week with another one okay thanks guys all the best <laughs>